and help us to look squarely into your son Jesus' face. Place our hands in his hands. Trust him. Walk with him. Believe in him. Follow him in all that we do. And God, I know that your glory and your grace and your mercy will shower down upon us and lead us into all truth and the paths of righteousness for your name's sake as your word tells us. Once again, God, we thank you for the privilege of being able to be in your house tonight. And we ask that you will bless each one of us. Bless our teachers as they go back with our, with our young people tonight, God. Bless them abundantly, Lord. Anoint them, God, as they bring your word. And Father, we'll be sure to praise you again and honor you for that as well. In the precious name of Jesus and all God's children said, Amen. Give him another hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you may be, be seated. We'll dismiss our young people. Amen. And their teachers. <clears throat> now I'm going to go ahead and get this out of the way. I know I got a spot on my shirt. I know it. I have been told that multiple times tonight. Amen? Right there. Okay, so I, I, I got it. I got it. So, so, so we're going to... Spots. Yeah, I might have another one over here too. So I'm flawed. I just want y'all to know that. Yes. So anyway, I just thought I'd point that out. So we wouldn't have to deal with that the rest of the night. It's a little bit hot there, Brother Dan, if you could turn this down for me just a little bit. Um, so I want to tell you this, too. I'm very excited, Brother Robert, about something um, that I have never yet been able to do in my ministry. I was telling a couple of people that uh, God's, uh, I feel a release from God to be able to finally preach a sermon or a message series. I don't call them sermon series. But message series, I'm excited about that. I don't, that's not exciting to a lot of y'all, but um, I've really wanted to, to preach some very, very good uh, message series, if you will. And uh, God always changes the message. Every time I think, Brother Ralph, that you know this is a great, this is a great thing that we could go into and look at several times. God always changes the message. So I'm feeling pretty good about the fact that this is going to happen. So uh, it's only about three, three different ones. So tonight, Sunday, and next Wednesday. And it's just simply titled Unleashed. Amen? Unleashed. And tonight we're going to be talking about unleashing your greatest fears. The other two, which will be Sunday and Wednesday, is unleashing your fullest potential in God. And the third one is unleashing the power of God in your life. Amen? So I'm excited about it. Y'all help me pray that God don't change. No. no, he might because he knows what's best. But I'm excited about it. I really, really am. So anyway, if you have your Bible want to turn with us to Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. It's where we're going to be. Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. We're going to start at verse 33 is where we're going to be and go through verse 44. But while you're finding that in your Bible, John chapter 11, verse 33 through 44, the word unleashed simply means to set free from captivity. To set free from captivity. If you unleash something, it must mean that it has been bound. Is that right? It has been tied up. It has been held hostage, if you will. It has not been able to enjoy the freedoms and, and, and the ability to do whatever it needs to do, right? So to unleash something means you let it go, right? You turn it loose. It's no longer bound to whatever it is that you've got it leashed to. It's no longer under, it's no under, no longer under the authority of the leash, right? So it just simply means to turn it loose. And so that's what I want us to look at tonight. And I was thinking about the fact that there's those, these three things set so many of us back, right? And fear being the greatest one. I love what the writer of Deuteronomy said that God laid on his heart to pen, right? That you and I should take... The first thing he said was not fear. The first thing he said was, 
be of good courage. Amen? Be of good courage. Pick your chin up, right? Pick your chin up off the floor. Straighten your shoulders up. Straighten your legs up so you're not just weak-kneed all the time. But he said, be of good courage. And then he said, don't fear, right? He didn't say, don't fear first, then be of good courage, Brother William. He said, you be of good courage. The reason you and I can be of good courage is because of what he said at the end of the passage, right? It's kind of upside down, if you will, because he said, God's with you everywhere that you go, right? You can take courage, and I can take courage. All of us can take courage in knowing that God is with us everywhere that we go. Now, that's not just a passage of Scripture. That's not just something that's written in a book. It's not just something that you read in a, in a children's Bible book. It truly is the Word of God. And we know that God cannot tell a lie. And the Word of God is infallible, meaning that it is perfect, right? It cannot fail. And so if it tells you, if God says, Sister Elsie, I will not fail you, then He meant what He said. God will not fail you. He will not. We'll fail God. And look, just because difficult times come our way does not mean God fails us. See, that's where Satan plays with our minds. He's got us all twisted up, tied up, leashed to the fact that we think that anytime something bad happens in our life, right, that, that God's allowing that to happen or God did that, right, which causes us to walk in fear. I think I've told some of you this. It's been around me any length of time it's in, in my ministry. I used to really think that God was up there in heaven and it was taught this way to me, basically. It wasn't said this way, but it was kind of portrayed this way. That, and my mother used to say things like, God's going to get you for that. Right? So I'm always thinking, you know, <laughs> he's up there with this big belt or this big whip. And if I put my hands on them cookies that mama told me not to, he's going to hit me in the back of the head with that belt buckle. Right? God's going to get you for that. She also tell me, used to tell me the boogeyman's going to get me. Don't y'all ever do that, y'all's kids. <laughs> there ain't no such thing as a boogeyman. Right? I envision this big old booger, right? Because boogeyman. <laughs> now that's just Mark. I'm simple, okay? Y'all just got to deal with me the way I am. In my mind as a kid, I just envision this big old, you know, what I just said, coming at me, getting me, you know, because the boogeyman was going to get me, right? And then she'd tell me, God's going to get me. So those two things kind of scarred my life a little bit. But God is not in heaven, regardless of what most people think, sitting up there waiting on you and I to make a mistake. God's not sitting up there waiting to say to the angels, go get them, go get them. I mean, I mean, tear them up, put them in time out. He's not doing that. God loves us, amen? He's pulling for us. He's, he's, he's wanting you and I to do good, okay? He's not, he's not doing those things. God loves us, so he truly is there for us. And so the writer understood that and said, be of good courage because if God be for you, we know the passage that says that too. If God be for us, who can be what? Is that right? So if God's for us, we have nothing to fear, as, as uh, Roosevelt said, but what? Y'all just told y'all's age. Amen. Amen. Have nothing to fear but fear itself. Fear is just something that the devil puts in our mind and makes us think that it's reality when, in fact, it's not even reality. It's not. If you'll be honest with yourself, and I've had to be honest with myself several times, look, what I would worry myself sick sometimes about a situation or something that was going to happen and this, this, and this, and, and come to find out it never even happened. Or it wasn't as bad as, it, as I thought it was going to be. Pete Couch is a good friend of mine. He's dead and gone today. But he made a statement one time. Why worry? It's going to happen anyway. Is that right? You and I can't control some things. That's called life. We live in a fallen world. But it does not mean that God has turned his back on us, and it does not mean that God don't love us, 
And it does not mean that, you know, everything that bad happens to us is just awful, right? And it's just, oh, my gosh, you know, gloom, despair, and agony on me. And I tell you that because that's the first thing you got to understand in, let, in getting fear out of your mind and being unleashed from your fears, right? It's just understanding that everything that happens to us is not necessarily something that we've done. Now, let me say this. The Bible does teach us, right, that we reap what we sow. So sometimes some things that happen to us is because of what we've done. But not everything that happens to us is that or God just punishing us, okay? God loves us. Let's make sure we get that out there first and foremost. He truly, truly loves us. We don't have to be bound with all the, this fear and anxiety that's attacking us on a daily basis. The only reason why we have fears is because we give audience to it. Amen? We give audience to our fears. That's the only reason why we're leashed by our fears. We give audience to it, right? We pay attention to it. We speak to it. We agree to it. You ever hear anybody say that? I, I, oh, they'll say it and they'll say, I, I shouldn't have spoke that. Is that right? But we do. I mean, we, we truly believe. And if you listen long enough, sometimes we give more audience to our fears and to Satan than we do to God. Amen? That's where a lot of our attention is on our fears, and we allow it to just bind us and grip us and hold us. And when that happens, we're just powerless, right? We're like a, like a bunch of uh, 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 mummies, if you will. So John's Gospel, chapter 11, is a great passage, and we're going to be there for all three of these. The story, if you go back and read it in John chapter 11, starting at verse 33, we might read a little bit here in just a second, but let me bring you up to speed on the story. All of us know it. I think we could all stand up here and tell this story backwards and forwards. But here, three friends of Jesus, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, brothers and sisters. Jesus, the Bible says, he loved them, the Bible says. And this Lazarus became sick, and Jesus was away from him, okay? And while Jesus was away, you know the story, right? Lazarus became so sick that he did what? He died. He died. And Mary and Martha... You know, we're running, sending people to Jesus. They were going to him and said, hey, man, you need to come. This friend of yours, Lazarus, he's sick, and if you don't do something, right, he's going to die. Can you see the fear gripping Mary and Martha? Now, they had known this Jesus for quite some time. He, he didn't, they didn't just meet him one day, and that was it. They had a relationship with him because the Bible says that they were friends of his and that Jesus loved them. Okay? So there was a relationship. They saw Jesus do mighty things and they saw him do miracles and, and were, were there for a lot of great things. And then this one thing hits, right? And you can see the greatest fear that Mary and Martha had and also the greatest fear that probably Lazarus had, and that was death. And a lot of people today, that's one of their greatest fears. Now, if you ask people in church, are you scared of dying? No, I ain't scared of dying. <laughs> I'll go to heaven. Well, let me just help y'all holier than now Christians sometimes. And I'm not saying you're not afraid, because I'm not afraid of dying either. But, but look, there's something inside of us that says, I want to go to heaven, I just don't want to go in. And that's most people, right? Because we've never been there. We, we have never experienced death. So death does linger in your mind, right? If you don't believe it, let that heart skip one time. First thing that comes to your mind is, is it? Right? You start thinking about my will, my kids, do I have enough money to take care of the funeral? You start doing all kinds of things when start, stuff starts going wrong. So one of their greatest fears that I saw here was this death. They were concerned that Lazarus was going to die. So they seek out Jesus. 
Jesus, the story goes on to say, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he just hung out for another couple days. <laughs> Boy, what a great friend, huh? But he had a plan, okay? So Lazarus dies. Jesus comes. When you read the story, and he's found here asking everybody, where did you put him? Right? Where did you put him? And, of course, they said, come and see. Right? And when he got there, there was a tomb, and there was a hole there, and there was a rock rolled in front of it. And Jesus made a statement to them and said, move the rock. Is that right? Move the rock. And they looked at Jesus, right? Again, fear gripping them. Fear of what? Pride. They had some fear here because they didn't want people thinking bad of their family because they said, now look, we love Lazarus. He'd been in there a little while. Right? His, uh, his secret deodorant has wore off. <laughs> yeah, it's wore off. And they said, he's he going to stink, Lord. What are you doing? You know, he's going to stink. And so they had a fear that that that, that was going to happen, and it would be embarrassing. So they said, Lord, look, I know, you, I know you're the Lord and everything, but you, you don't know. You just don't understand. And Jesus, you know, said, move the rock. And, of course, they did, which takes us to what we want to talk about tonight. Jesus then says... These words, Lazarus, what? Come forth. Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says that Lazarus came forth wrapped in grave clothes. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say this because all y'all know this. There's a few of you knew, but it's worth saying. Okay? The reason he called him by name is because had he not, everything is under God's authority. Every dead person out there would have got up and came out. Amen? So just so we make that clear, he didn't call him by name so that the people that had him, he really wasn't dead. He was hid behind or in this hole. And when they heard Jesus say, Lazarus, come forth, they just kind of shove him out and say, go ahead, Lazarus, he's calling you out. So they were trying to fool people. There are some people that say that's what happened. You know, there's these naysayers out there, right? These scientists that, oh, no, nah, ain't no way. He was just in there. He really wasn't dead. And he said, Lazarus, so he knew when it was time to come out. No, God has all authority. Amen. And all of them would have got up. So he specifically said, Lazarus, come forth. Now, when, when, when you look at this story, Lazarus comes walking out there. Now, back in this day, they would wrap the bodies, right? They would take the frankincense and the myrrh and these spices and oils, and they were used as a, as a way to embalm the body. So they would clean the body. They would, they would put these spices on them and these, these smell goods, if you will, and they would wrap them, and then they would stick them in the tomb. Okay? That's the way Lazarus was put in there. So the very fact that Jesus said, come on out of there. Right? And then Lazarus walks out. Now, where this was, Pastor Keith and I have been in that area, and they, they ain't a flat spot in Israel. It's all like this. Okay? And I'm talking about rocks, and it's uneven, and anytime you're around in cemeteries, it's that way. They're just all, it's just very uneven. So this man had to walk out of there, and the Bible said he had a napkin over his face, and it was wrapped so he couldn't see where he was walking. And then he had to walk out too, and his legs are tied together. Everything's wrapped up. But he walked out of that tomb, walked out and around, and walked up to where Jesus was. And I say that to say this to you. When Jesus speaks to your fear and says, he says to you and I, come on, right? Don't allow your fear to hinder you from getting to the blessing that's awaiting you. Okay? 
Lazarus could have had a pity party and said, Hey, Jesus, I hear you, but I can't see where I'm going. You know what Jesus would have said? Son, you walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? That's what he'd have said. Oh, Lord, I hear you, but I can't walk. You and I can't walk without holding Jesus' hand. Amen? We have to be led by him, led by the Spirit and not by ourselves. The Bible teaches us that, right? So the point of this is, is Lazarus did not walk out of there in and of himself. He was walking in the power and the authority of God. Amen? He was called out and his body responded. Amen? It was up to him to listen. Okay? So when we're talking about our fears that grip us and that, that hinder us and that hold us back, the problem is not that God's not standing outside of the tomb called fear and saying to you and I, come out. He is. He's calling us. Ralph, come forward. Amen. He's saying to us, you know, Christina, come forward. He's saying to us, Garfield, come forward. All of us. He's calling out to us on a continual basis when we meet our fears. When those fears begin to grip us, right, we give audience to them. And then Jesus is in the background saying, hey, hey, hey. Move the stone. Come on out. Right? You don't have to stay. You don't have to stay entombed in that fear. You don't have to stay leashed by that fear. If you'll just walk out and trust me, then I'll help you get beyond your fears. Okay. So Lazarus comes walking out of there, can't see. His legs are tied, and he'd had a hard time getting out there in and of himself. But he listened, and he responded, and God did the rest. Okay, fear is, it's simple, okay? I'm, I don't want to belittle fear too much here tonight, but I also don't want to give any kind of accolades to fear because, again, fear is driven by Satan and it's driven by us. That's where fear comes from. It, it's not a reality, okay? It, we make it a reality. So it's up to us to move, okay? So Lazarus steps out there, and I love what Jesus says next. As Lazarus is standing there, he comes out, he's standing there, everybody's in shock and awe. Can you imagine? Man, half of them probably ran. I, I don't know, but I can tell you right now, if they'd have been a dead body laying right here, now all y'all going to say, oh, preacher, I know the Lord, I'm going I'm to shout and run around the church. Well, I hope you do. But I'm probably going to be the first one to be out in the parking lot. Look, especially if I'm standing here preaching this old boy or girl's funeral and they're behind me and they set up and I see all y'all's faces go, you know, and half y'all leave and all I hear is, hey, buddy, <laughs> look, <laughs> y'all, I get all this going forward. You can't stop it. <laughs> y'all better part the red, like the Red Sea. I'm telling you, I'm coming through, all right? Now, I know what y'all think. Y'all going to go home and say, my preacher ain't got no faith, right? I hope I do, but I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I'm going to stand here. I don't know what I'll, I'll be excited in the parking lot. <laughs> y'all be excited standing right here, but I'm going to be in the parking lot until I know it's Jesus that done that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anyway, so I don't know what they did, but they were, they were shocking all. They had to be, right? They had to be moved. Because I don't, they ain't, a whole lot of them folks ever seen anything like that. And here comes Lazarus. He'd been dead four days. Going to stink. And he's standing up in front of them. Now they couldn't see his face or anything. So they're standing there going, 
you know? Shock and awe, but then you know what we do next, don't you? You know what Satan said? That ain't even Lazarus. Right? That ain't Lazarus. Hey, you know that's Lazarus. What y'all get excited for? You don't even know if it's like he's all wrapped up. That could be somebody else up there. Lazarus probably still laying in there dead, and they done took that stuff and wrapped somebody else up, and he's standing there acting like he's Lazarus. Right? When all y'all go home, he's going to go back in and take all that stuff off, and he's going to leave and say, well, we got them, didn't we? Right? So half of them ran, and half of them thought that it was a hoax. And a few of them believed. Amen? But Jesus leaves no doubt. Amen? That's the way Jesus works in fear. He wants you to understand that your fear can be conquered, and he's not just going to call your fear forward. He's going to reveal it to you. Amen? And then he's going to show you how he can conquer it. So Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. He walks out there, standing there, and then Jesus says these words. Loose him and let him go. Amen? Loose him and let him go. In other words, unwrap him. Mary probably almost lost her religion. Lord, he ain't got no clothes on. And he's probably decaying. What are you doing to us? Right? Loose him and let him go. So they unloosed him. And the man walked out of there whole in Christ. Amen? Amen. To the point that they went back and ate, conversated. Can you imagine the next six months at Lazarus' house? CNN and Fox were all over the place. Amen? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Sean Hannity have a fit. Nobody could believe this was happening. Right? Everybody was out there. Everybody, anybody that was anybody had to go see this man called Lazarus. Right? Because he was raised from the dead. He had, he had somehow conquered death. But he did it through Christ. Amen? And Jesus was simply saying it in there that day as he said to, to Mary and Martha, I am life. I am the resurrection. Amen? If you believe in me and trust in me, I will give you life. Amen? I will raise you up. I will deliver you from your fears. I will deliver you from your anxieties. But it's up to us to trust God. Amen? It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. It's one of the greatest fears we have is letting go of what we got and holding on to Jesus. Right? See, the reality is, and a lot of us won't admit it, but I'm going to admit it for you because I'm I'm, I know I'm a misfit and I know I'm broken. Okay? So that's okay. But I can tell you one of the hardest things for me is to let go of this fear and trust God. In fact, that, that in itself is comfort to me. And that's how Satan makes it, right? You can't do without your fear. You've had it so long that it becomes a comfort to you, right? Your fear is so great that if you don't hang on to it, your anxiety will be so great that it will overcome you. Amen, somebody? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's almost like we embrace our fear. It's just something we've had so long that we just got to do it, and it kind of keeps us in our little box, okay? And I want to talk about the box. If you could imagine a box in front of you, put you a dot in the middle of that box. That dot represents you, and it represents me. And inside that box is where you and I are comfortable getting away from the center, okay? Center me in where we feel comfortable, where we feel safe. I'll go as far as this line, and I'll go as far as this line, and I'll go as far as this line, and I'll go as far as this line. But if you ask me to go outside the lines, fear grips me, right? And what happens is 
I stay inside my little box, and I'm successful in my little box, but I'm not, I'm not accomplishing the true will of God. Because when you and I are going to accomplish the true will of God, it requires us to conquer our fears and get outside of what we know and trust in that which we cannot see. Amen? And then what the Bible says that faith is, right? It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the evidence of things not seen, the Bible says, right? So we have to trust God enough to know, right, that whatever's out there, He's going to be there, and it's a wonderful thing. When you start truly growing in God, and when I start truly growing in God, it's when we get outside those, that box, right? When we stretch that box, we stretch that boundary. That's where Jesus lives. You and I live inside the box, but he lives outside the box. See, we live in the, we live in the possible, and Jesus lives in the impossible, okay? The possible is what we control. The impossible is what God controls, right? And those lines are the boundary that separates fear, right, to victory. That's where it's separated, right there, okay? Victory's here, fear is here. And for you and I, if we're going to ever get to where we need to be with God, we've got to overcome our fear in Christ, trust Him, and start erasing the lines. See, God never intended for His children to live inside the lines. The world teaches you and I as little kids that you've got to stay inside the lines when you color. Is that right? Man, I remember... I remember when I was a kid, boy, my, my, my sister, boy, she was a perfectionist. My oldest sister, man, she stayed in, she traced the lines. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You take a color, a predominant color, you trace them lines deeper and darker, right? Right? And then you color inside them lines. Don't get outside the lines. You stay inside the lines. And we highlight that outer side, right, because we want to make sure we don't go outside. I mean, we want people to see, right, how beautiful our picture is. Okay, but I was always one of them guys that, paint, that, that painted or that, cr- that colored outside the lines. <laughs> Tore her nerves up. Now I'm OCD, and I know y'all can't believe that, but when I was a kid, I was not. I mean, I just, you know, they'd say, let's color, and I'd say, let's get it done so we can go have recess. <laughs> See, recess was my favorite, my favorite academic uh, class, recess and lunch, <laughs> and going home. So... You know, I was just in a hurry, Brother Ralph. I just zipped through that thing. I didn't care what the colors looked like, and I just got done turning my paper in. I'm ready. Done. I didn't care about no numbers, what color it's supposed to be in. We're just going to get through. All right? But see, I want to ask you a question. Which, which picture you think is the most beautiful to God? Inside the lines or outside the lines? Did you know that outside the lines, when you think about people that are, that are painting outside the lines or coloring outside the lines is not a bad thing? Mm-mm. It's not. It's, it shows creativity. I'm going to prove it to you. Have y'all ever seen some of these pictures? In an art museum. It literally looks like somebody stepped back, threw six gallons of paint on the wall. It's just splattered everywhere. And people are standing back going, oh, I see it. I'm looking at it going, I see it too, it's a mess. And they're, man, they're, it's what they call object art. I'm thinking, y'all need to paint the wall. It's a mess. That mess sells for $1.2 million. I'm thinking I should have kept them, them drawings as a kid. Right? I would be a multi-billionaire today. That is not art. That's a mess. But what it is is it shows creativity. It's been proven, right? 
people, when you see people doing those types of things, they're willing to get outside the box. But we are built that we're just, and we're taught, stay inside the lines, inside the lines. Everything is geometric in our world. Everything has a line. Everything has a stopping part, point and a starting point. Everything has a time, right? All those things. God is not bound by time, space, and matter. And he is, he is a spirit. And guess what? That same spirit's within you and I. We're not to be bound by time, space, and matter. Satan uses that against us. We're to step out and trust God. Amen? I love what Jesus said to the man whose son was demon-possessed and they couldn't cast the demon out. And he said to him, just believe. Amen? Just believe. He just simply said to him, Dad, step outside the box. you got to get outside your greatest fear. And how do you know he had fear? Because he said to Jesus, Lord, I believe, but heal my unbelief. Isn't that what he said? He said, Lord, I believe, right? I believe. He stepped outside the lines a little bit, but then he said, heal my unbelief. And he pulled himself back in. Amen? I'm going to tell you all a story, true story. I was in a church in Greenwood. It was a Pentecostal church. We were having a revival, and we were having a district revival, and they went to a church in our local area that was big enough to house all the people that would be coming. So we were at Greenwood Pentecostal Holiness Church out by Cali Self in Greenwood. There was a young man there, Veronica and Joel know him. I can't remember his name. I think his, I forget his last name. He was in a wheelchair at Gray Court. He was there, great young man. He was actually, uh, uh, he felt the call to preach, and, and he was paralyzed from the waist down. And I was in his service uh, this particular night, and, and they, they had asked people to come up, and they had a, if you want to be prayed for, they had a prayer line. And so people were lining up, you know, all over the place down this hole. I mean, there were probably 50 or 80 people that had lined up down through there wanting prayer. And he was one of them, Tim, Tim something. So he wheeled himself up there, and y'all, I'll never forget it. Um, I was sitting there, and I had tunnel vision. I was watching that young man. And it was almost like I lost all peripheral vision. I, could, I didn't know anybody else was in the building but me and him. I was locked in on him. And I kept thinking to myself, when they get to this young man, I said, whoo, and there was such a power of God in there. I said, he's going to stand up. And when he stands up, we ain't going to have to worry about who's, who's where on Sunday morning. We're going to have to figure out where to put him. Amen? Because it's going to be unbelievable to watch this man get out of his chair and walk, been paralyzed for all this time. It'll turn the town upside down. Man, I was so pumped about it. And I was sitting there watching him. And the closer those ministers got to him, my heart started racing. And I thought, Lord, if you don't do something, I'm going to drop dead of a heart attack. <laughs> you ever been in a situation like that with God? With God? It's so, the power of God is so great that your heart's racing so much, your hands are sweating. And you're like, man, right? And so he kept getting closer and closer and closer to the guy. And when he got in front of him, he put his hands on him. And he was praying for him. See, we're... We're Pentecostal people. We still believe in laying hands on him, amen? And so they were laying hands on him. They were praying for him. And y'all, he grabbed a hold of the side of that wheelchair. And he, he, he pushed himself up. And he got himself up about right here. And man, he was, he, I mean, he was just that close to just standing straight up. And he was right there. And I was, I mean, I was, I mean, I was up with him. When he was standing up, I'm coming with him. Right? I was standing up. I felt myself getting up with him. And, and all of a sudden... Bang, man, he went right back in that wheelchair, fell back in it. And, and those preachers just moved on, and all of a sudden my vision came back. I was, I was very aware of where I was and who was around me. I was so disappointed. And I thought, I remember praying. I immediately started praying. I said, God, did I doubt or did he doubt? Or did somebody else doubt? Amen? 
My greatest fear is, is I doubt the God that I serve. That's my greatest fear. Honest to goodness, it is. It's the greatest fear I've got. That I'm not going to have God in the center of what we're doing. That I'm not going to have him in the center of my life. That I'm going to do something that disappoints him. That's my greatest fear. And that day, it came forward. My fear, I said, God, that did I doubt? Right, did I doubt? Still haunts me today. Am I the reason he's still not walking today? Somebody doubted, right? So my point to you is, the only way to get beyond that fear, I should have went up there and grabbed a hold of his head and started praying because I felt the power of God. Now, look, I was sitting here thinking, well, I'm not a minister. I wasn't at the time. And you know how you are. It's not my place. You know, I, I shouldn't do that. I heard Pastor Williams say that one time. Sometimes we don't feel like it's our place. Now, listen, I'm going to say this, and I don't want y'all doing something. Now, listen to me. Pastor said, I can go over there and just start praying for people or start telling them where they're living. You better straighten your life. I ain't saying that. What I'm saying to you is, if God is touching your heart and you know it's him and you feel that anointing, that person's going to know you're coming before you ever get up. God works on both ends. He don't work on one end. You ever been in church? I've been in holiness. I've seen some funny things, y'all. I've seen them get down there and grab somebody and say, get on up here to the altar. We're going to pray that you get saved. And they're dragging them. They're fighting going that way. They're fighting to pull them this way. Do you think God's in that? God told me to come get you. Well, if he told you to come get them, they would not be fighting to get out the door. Right? Be sure God's in if you're going to do something. But if you feel the power of God, do it. Amen? Make sure it's him. But don't let fear grip you and stop you from accomplishing what God has for you. See, I was thinking to myself, I'm not a minister. I, it's not my place. I had only been saved a, few, a, a little while. And, and I thought, you know, they're going to think I'm just in myself. Look at him up here wanting to be up, get up here where everybody can see him. But I should have went up and prayed for him. Amen? Because there's no other reason why I felt like I felt and, 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 and what happened to me happened. But I didn't do it. Fear. Amen? And that young man's not walking today maybe because of me. I'm hoping not. But maybe, right? So how many of us, you in your lifetime, you know, I'm uh, a few years old. <laughs> and how many things have I missed? And how much of God's presence have I missed because I let fear rule my life rather than God? Huh? How many birthday parties have you missed? Huh? How many softball games or football games have you missed of your kids? How many good times going out to eat with your husband or your wife have you missed? We can just keep going, right? All these fears, what, have, what has it cost us? Right? God didn't do that. We did. And God wants his church. What did, listen, what did Jesus say? If the Son has set you free, you're what? Free indeed. You could translate that. If, if we ever had a, a Mark Lowe version of the Bible, might as well have got all these other ones, right? You could put that in there and say, if the Son has unleashed you, you are unleashed indeed. Amen? Set free. Satan binds and Jesus sets free. Satan binds and Jesus sets free. Satan binds and Jesus sets free. Amen? And then we wrap ourselves back up. Amen? Satan binds us. Jesus delivers us. And we pick the grave clothes up and do what? 
start wrapping them back on there. Right? And then we go to God and get up to the altar and say, Oh, God, why did you forsake me? Is that right? Lord, why did you let this happen to me again? Jesus sets free again, and what do we do? We keep the grave clothes. Now, it doesn't say in this story what happened to the grave clothes. Somebody might have picked them up and sold them things on eBay. I don't know. <laughs> so what would happen today, wouldn't it? Man, them things right there sell for something. That old boy got up out of that grave, and this man lived, right? And some people put it in a frame and put it in a house and say, I want my kids to always remember that, right? Somebody might have picked them up and took them and kept them. And when they felt, they felt insecure, they wrapped themselves up. Amen? In those grave clothes. Listen. It's important for us to understand that God wants you and I to live a free life in Him. We can't be effective in the kingdom of God being bound up. There's no way. He tells you and I to run the race with patience. You can't run with your feet tied. Amen? I can't run with my feet tied. I know some of y'all look at me, he can't run at all. Probably not. <laughs> Except for dinner. But, but you can't run when you're all tied up. Right? Your arms, it takes your arms to give you balance. If your legs are free and your arms are tied, it's difficult to run. Right? And certainly if your feet are tied. But he says that he wants us to run the race with patience. I want to read you this by James F. Burns. James F. Burns was a Supreme Court justice that was, that was uh, nominated by Roosevelt, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and he was a Supreme Court justice from the state of South Carolina. Burns High School is named after him. Listen to what he says about fear. Too many people, now listen, this is really good. Should have put it on the board so you could write it down. Too many people are thinking of security instead of opportunity. They seem to be more afraid of life or living than death. Right? Too many people are worried about security rather than opportunity. Security is inside the box, but opportunity awaits. Amen? Security is staying in your seat when Jesus says, come forth. Right? But opportunity awaits at the foot of the cross. Amen? Security is when you and I are in control, but opportunity is when Jesus is in control. Right? We got to start understanding as a church that we don't need to fear life. Amen? We need to enjoy life. Enjoy life. God gave us this life. God didn't give us life to punish us. He's not up there going, I'm going to let y'all live so y'all can just be punished for that sin that Adam and Eve, that, that they did. It's your, their fault and you're going to have to suffer. Right? And if you can make it to heaven, you'll be blessed. We can be blessed now. You've heard me say that many times. Our fear is not living. Right? Our fear is living where we're not in control. But that's where God does what he does. Right? That's where he does what he does. If you're not living outside the box, you're not truly living. Amen? You're wrapped up in grave clothes, stuck in a hole somewhere, and a rock put in front of it. That's where we are. And I can tell you, to be honest with you today, I've been, I've been preaching God's word for oh, going on 20-something um, years now. And I can tell you, the church, we have allowed ourselves to be wrapped in grave clothes and allowed Satan to push us back in the very tomb that Jesus walked out of. Amen? Y'all with me? Right? Jesus walked out of the tomb almost 2,000 years ago, and the church ain't done nothing but try to get right back in it. Amen. But I love what the angel said, and I'm going to close right here. He is not there. He is risen.
right? In other words, child of God, why are you standing in this tomb? Jesus paid an ultimate price that you wouldn't have to be put in a tomb and leashed up by Satan any longer. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. All three of them. He, he, he unleashed us from hell. He unleashed us from death. And he unleashed us from the grave. Amen? But we steadily trying to push ourselves back in there all the time. All right? God wants us to live in him. Amen? Live in Jesus. Right? Unleash, to be unleashed from our greatest fears. Right? Whatever that is tonight as our worship team, I don't know who's all coming. Y'all better pray they come because y'all know, know I can't sing. If y'all go back and listen to that tape from Sunday, I didn't know that, that Facebook could hear me singing happy birthday. Jesus. Look, I was in seven different keys all through that thing. Mm. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Got to get these boys to mute me when I get to singing. <laughs> but look, it's important for us to live in Christ, amen, and enjoy this freedom that Jesus gave us, right? Enjoy the freedom of God and really be what God wants us to be, right? Really be that church. Be that, be that group of people, right, that when you walk out there, people feel that freedom. They feel that release of God, right? It's what we pray for, and He's given it to us. We just got to walk in it, amen? Walk in it and don't allow your fears to overtake your life, amen? Now, some fear is a good thing, Right? It keeps us from doing stupid things. But allowing our fear to grip us is what he said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. I have not given you the spirit of fear, right? but power and love and a sound mind. Fear itself, God gave us, that is, that is a natural, it's a natural uh, uh, feeling that we have that keeps us from getting hurt or keeps us from doing stupid things, as I said. But he didn't say I didn't give you fear. He said I didn't give you the spirit of fear. There's a difference between fear and a spirit of fear. Amen? Fear God gave us to help us. The spirit of fear is from Satan. Spirit, he said. The spirit of fear. That tries to control your life rather than help your life. Okay? Make sure you get that. It's two different things. Two different things. The fear of God is a good thing. The fear of not making heaven your home is a good thing because it causes us to be driven to the one that can deliver us. But the spirit of fear is the one over saying, you don't need to go up there. They're going to embarrass you, right? Peer pressure, that type of thing. That's the spirit of fear. We need to be unleashed from, our, from that fear, amen, and really enjoy God's blessing. If you'll stand with me all over the building, I appreciate you listening to me tonight. I hope that was a blessing to you. I hope it helped you. I know it did me. Pray for me Sunday, <laughs> amen, and we're going to unleash God's fullest potential on our lives, amen. That's where we're going to be. Looking forward to it, amen, looking forward to it. I want you to look at that person beside you real quick. Anybody that's put lock eyes with somebody, say you are powerful in Jesus. Amen? Powerful. Amen? You are, a you are a feared weapon. Amen? You've heard me say that many times. You and I are a feared weapon. We don't need to fear Satan. Satan needs to fear us. Amen? Because he sees Christ in us. And there's power in you and I, if Christ is in us, to speak to this mountain, the Bible says, Brother Eddie, and be thou removed, be cast into the sea. There's power in you and I to say, be ye healed in the name of Jesus Christ. There's power in us, Sister Donna, to say to Satan, get thee behind me in the name of Jesus. There's power in us, right, to change the world for the glory of God. Isn't that right? Jesus died to give us that right. 
walk in it and enjoy it and live in it and be happy and victorious in Jesus and overcome that fear. Amen? Overcome it. I want you to go home tonight and I want you to think about your greatest fear. Then I want you to take it spiritually and I want you to just grab it in your hands and just imagine somewhere in your house being an altar and take that fear and lay it at the altar at Jesus' feet. Amen? And walk away from it. Walk away from it. Give it to Jesus because He's already taken care of it. It's done. And turn your back to fear and walk in the presence of God. Amen? And accomplish all He has for you. Amen? And when Satan tells you to try to get you to turn around and look at that fear and pick it back up, rebuke him in Jesus' name according to the book of James. Amen? And conquer it in Jesus' name. All right? I love y'all. Let's close in worship tonight. Appreciate you being here. Look forward to seeing you Sunday. Help us reach out to some folks that's not here tonight. Let them know we love them, we miss them. Invite them to come. Amen. Check on them. It's awesome. Great to have a, a, a church family. Amen. Church family. When we finish with our worship, uh, I want us to come up and we want to anoint a cloth for our Brother Buddy. His wife's having surgery tomorrow. We want to pray for that and, and, and anoint this cloth on her behalf. Amen, if that's okay. So uh, we'll do that here right after our worship, all right?